0: <laughs> We're just laughing during the break. Dan Schaefer joining me. He of the Re- Recombobulation Area. How do folks find that great writing, by the way? Uh, you can find it at RecombobulationArea.substack.com.
1: And you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer.
0: And I always tell people, because, you know, we go back and forth with uh, liberal and conservative on this show, because I'm, I'm interested in hearing what both sides have to say about most of the issues. Um, people go, why do you have him on? Because he's a really good writer, and he, and he understands the issues, sometimes more than I do. So, um that's why you're here.
1: Well, glad to be here. Always always appreciate the opportunities to talk yeah. with you, Steve. And oh,
0: by the way, you're all over radio now because I hear you're doing other shows all over the place. I'm,
1: I'm staying busy, Steve. I'm staying busy. At, and I'm, and I'm going to be guest hosting WTMJ Nights this Friday.
0: So. Oh, breaking news. I did there not you know. Go. This yeah, Friday night, right that, that is the 15th. Uh, the 15th. 15th yes, <laughs> yes. At what time? 7? 7 to 9. 7 to 9, yep. Do you have guests lined up already? We're working on it. All We're right. working on it. We'll I, let you know. I will tune in. All right, so we can there's about a dozen things we can talk about and we'll probably get to some of these quickly, but the University of Wisconsin's Board of Regents on Saturday rejected the big deal which is supposedly in the in the mind of some electeds going to resolve the the um, budget debates about UW, right? Mm-hmm. Engineering building, there was some housing thrown in here, there was the uh, the freezing of DEI positions, mm-hmm. which is a very contentious issue among Republicans in the state of Wisconsin. 9-8 votes. Arguments on both sides. Pretty, I mean, pretty close votes. I mean, did that vote surprise you?
1: Very close vote. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, it did seem like it was headed to be a close vote. I uh, can't, can't say I have, you know, maybe expert knowledge exactly of every every last member of the Board of Regents. But it, a very interesting vote. Uh, not surprised that it was close. Perhaps a little surprised the the direction that it went,
0: though. Yeah, and, and they basically said no to what. Speaker Robin Voss, and he's going to be on the show. I think it's the, um, I'll, I'll tell you in a bit. He's going to be in the studio next week. Um, the biggest other big piece was all of those pay raises for the university system mm-hmm. now are in limbo again, because that was part of this as well. I mean, in the, in the general sense, I guess this is what the question I want to ask you is lumping all these things together, engineering building, DEI, pay, is that the best way to do
1: this? I don't think that it is, and I think it goes kind of counter to where the conversation has been for, for quite a while on this. You know, I think, you know, Robin Voss seemed very upset with the, the results of this vote. Uh, obviously it was a deal that, that he helped broker. Uh, but I think it's interesting to look back at the last few weeks on this issue and see, you know, that, uh, the Senate Majority Leader, De- Devin Lemahue, was not exactly on the same page with Voss on a lot of these. No, yeah, He wasn't. He was, in support of releasing the pay raises that the ones that passed in the state budget uh he was in support of funding the engineering building and it was really just voss on an island saying that you know, holding this whole thing up over the objection to any dei and i thought it was really interesting you know seeing the response from a lot of legislative democrats uh you know as this deal was was hap- was you know announced late last week organizing against it and i think you saw the legislative black caucus uh, assembly democrats really get the word out and say hey this is let's take action on this let's let's voice uh where you are and say that this dei is is non-negotiable uh to to remove from this this is important we need to uh make you know diversity on campus a priority uh and i think it was really interesting that the result that that had uh on the vote that happened on saturday
0: i don't disagree with obviously a big fan of diversity and and i think it, it as I said many times, when I was elected and and when I was on the radio, it, it it enriches our lives in a lot of different ways that we don't even know until we we embrace it. But linking things like engineering buildings and DEI and pay raises, you're you're in the in the era of politics we live in now. That that's it's a recipe for failure, in my opinion. And I get why they do it because it's sort of an omnibus package, right? You put mm-hmm. it all together and you, you either say yeah or nay. But again, we have a 9 8 vote at the Regents. We have discontent among Republicans on this issue. Lemahue Voss.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Speaker Voss, I think, paraphrasing, has said basically he's not negotiating anymore. Mm-hmm. What does that mean from your perspective? What does that mean if we're not negotiating? So pay raises are gone, uh, engineering building gone, DEI status quo. What does that mean? I mean, he says this these
1: kinds of things all the time, though. He said that their shared revenue deal was DOA. He said the sales tax was never going to happen. You know, this is a, a part of the negotiation that he tends to employ whenever these type of issues come up. I, I wouldn't put all that much into it, but I do think it's interesting that, you know, uh, that he's digging in on this, that he is, you know, re- really drawing a line in the stand uh, at, at the moment, at least. Uh, you, you know, we'll see how this is going forward. And isn't there that lawsuit that the governor is bringing forward on the pay raises right. as well? So, like, there, there are other things happening uh, in relationship to this issue. I also saw an interesting report today talking about, you know, a number of students rallying, uh, talking about rallying against the cuts that are happening at you know at my alma mater at UW-Oshkosh, a number of other UW uh, campuses across the state. We can't overlook the fact that this is happening simultaneous with this vote as well. That you know we have this multi-billion-dollar state surplus, and we're seeing cuts and and left and right on this, and and it seems to be you know a very ideological dug-in position that the assembly speaker is taking, and he seems to be increasingly on an island on this. Too. Yeah.
0: So would you say this is a loss for Voss? I mean. He's been very passionate on this.
1: Yeah, it was a deal that he brokered and it failed. He is, I, I, wouldn't, I, I don't think he can characterize it any other way.
0: He is the most powerful politician in the state, and I know we have a governor, but I've, I've said this for a long time. He is the guy that pushes and nudges people generally in the direction he wants to go to, but sometimes in the direction that we want to go to, i.e. shared revenue, i.e. brewers. So, I mean it's an interesting time for speaker robin Voss. Mm -hmm. and this is a loss there was some actually some some funding for uw whitewater which is in his neck of the woods his part of the state that went down with this as well so i mean this is an interesting time for somebody who is the in my opinion the most powerful politician in the state do you think dan schaefer as somebody who studies these things and writes about them that we will see some movement on some of these issues pay raises Engineering building, or is this just going to sit and linger for a while until next year? I think one
1: way or another, there's going to be some movement on it, whether it's through the court system or through you know a reignited negotiations. You know, maybe the governor weighs in a little bit more substantively. Maybe you know the, the Senate Majority Leader LeMahieu says something about it too. But I also wanted to make another point about about Robin Voss and in, in this kind of moment that he's in. You know, we talk so often about approval ratings and favorability ratings and things like that. In the last Marquette University Law School poll, Robin Robin Voss the favorability rating was just 16.
0: I can tell he doesn't care about that.
1: I, t- I I know that, but he but I think we we so often talk about it, this with you know a politicians across the board. He's not only 16. percent He's net negative 20. So he and and it is the the most recent poll had his worst marks that he has seen since they had been polling him at the Marquette University Law School poll. So I think it is interesting to see he is on an island on a number of these issues, and he is increasingly unpopular at the statewide level. What do you make? As
0: a liberal writer, was that a fair assessment? Not lean to the left yeah. sure yeah. okay. of the um, difference of opinion between Lemaue in the Senate and boss in the assembly.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty fascinating. I think it's interesting that how that they have had, you know, different priorities. Um, you know, you could talk about things like the Wisconsin elections commission has been a different priority in the Senate than it has in the assembly. Um, but I think it just goes to show that, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's time for a change in leadership in the assembly because we've, you know, Robin Voss is the longest serving assembly speaker in state history. And it, it's at a certain point, you just need some new voices to, to reignite the conversation. You think that's going to
0: happen? <laughs>
1: uh, I can only hope. <laughs> I'm going
0: to ask him that question because he has been the longest tenure in that in that job. Yeah, uh, and at the and end but of this term, still have served 20
1: years yeah, you know, he, in the assembly. He still that's loves the nice job. I know that. Number. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. we got lots more to talk about. Dan Schaefer, outstanding political writer and columnist, joining us in studio. If you have a question or comment, just shoot it our way. Old National Bank talking text line 855-616-1620. Dan Schaefer, our guest. On WTMJ Now. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Well, not if you're a fan of snow, Dan Schaefer. There's no snow, like, anywhere around here, which I'm cool with, by the way. I'm fine with it, too. We can we can wait on the snow. If, there, if it only
1: snowed on Christmas Day the whole winter, I think I'd be fine with that.
0: You know, if the snow was only on trees and grassy areas, I'd sign up for that in a minute. But it's the, you know, the plowing... The salting and, and icing conditions, danger dangerous conditions for dry. I don't need any of that. So the longer it, it holds off, I'm good. All right, speaking of something that's been lingering for a while, this fake electors case in Wisconsin. Dan Schaefer, my guest, the uh, the author of the Recombobulation Area. I, I see those pictures that come from the airport all the time. People snapping that picture at the airport when you go through the... Security?
1: Yeah, that's right. People go through security and, and take time out of their day to take a picture and send it to me on Twitter, Isn't which that which I always really, really enjoy. It's like, a, it's like a, a constant
0: greeting card coming your way. I always know when uh, when my friends are traveling, that's <laughs> True. for sure. True. <laughs> yeah. uh, other people know that they're, that they're traveling, too. They might want to think about that. All right. So we know that um, this case has been kind of ongoing. We've talked about it for a while. Individuals went to Madison, went to the Capitol under the, uh, not the darkness of night, but Pretending to be electors, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a frustration. They're not electors, so they can keep. And journalists are doing this too. Don't call them electors; they're fake electors because that's what they are. So don't leave the fake part off. These people, I think, should be criminally charged. And I've had a lot of smart people disagree with me on this, but around the country, Dan Schaefer, state after swing state, is basically saying, "No, this shouldn't have happened. This is fraud. These viol- this violates election laws." We know now that a settlement has been reached, a civil settlement. My question for you is, is that just step one and the next step? Criminal charges. Josh Call apparently has been looking at this.
1: Well, we know the Josh Call in the Attorney General's office has been very quiet about what exactly they're doing. Like, I mean, perhaps too quiet. Yes. Uh, I think. I wanted to know a little bit more about what's been going on with this, too. But I think it was a, a significant moment last week. Uh, law Forward, the uh, the uh, law, law group, the, the, the group that's also bringing forth the redistricting case, uh, they reached a settlement with a number of these fake electors who finally had to acknowledge. That they were wrong and acknowledged they did. Yes, attempts to it overturn the election. They said that Donald Trump, or, uh, Joe Biden won uh, in Wisconsin in 2020. Donald Trump lost. They finally, three years later, had to acknowledge that. You know, among the people in those fake electors, though, I think it, it's important to point out uh, Bob Spindell. Who is the uh, Republican-appointed member of the Wisconsin Elections Commission, appointed by Senate Majority Leader Devin Le- LeMahieu? Uh, be interesting to see if you know that was that was an appointment that he made. He reappointed Spindel after the fake electors plot happened. Right. After he tried to overturn the election, he reappointed him to the uh, you know oppo- ostensibly nonpartisan uh, uh, Wisconsin Elections Commission. So I think. For one, I think this admission means that Spindell should be removed one way or another from the Wisconsin Elections Commission. I, he had I actually, no business I agree with sitting that. on that, uh, no. having uh, played a role in trying to overturn the election in the state of Wisconsin and denying millions of people who cast their votes in favor of Joe Biden, trying to overturn their voices. And it it's absolutely egregious and ridiculous that he continues to sit on that, uh, sit on that commission.
0: And to that point, part of the settlement was they wouldn't they wouldn't be electors in the future part of that settlement should have said he can't be on the wec anymore mm-hmm. i would have made that nudge in that direction to say you know what this is not appropriate when someone admits they lied admits they did something wrong you shouldn't reward that behavior by allowing him to continue on that commission and, and we know we both know there's efforts to get rid of that commission I don't think they'll be successful but That's also part of the story as well.
1: Yeah, the governor also said this weekend that he'd veto any attempt to to abolish the Wisconsin Election Commission, which is what Republicans are trying to do. So I think that's part of it, too. But, uh, you know, along with this, there was some news last week uh, that broke about, you know, uh, I believe his name is uh, Kenneth. Kenneth. I call him cheese, bro. Cheese, bro. He's from Wisconsin. We'll call him cheese, bro. (laughs) Cheese, bro's cutting a deal. uh, It sounds like perhaps, you know, there was a CNN report uh, last week that said he is cooperating with the attorney general's office. You know, it, it, there's more than one thing happening in this. In this, right? So, like, there's the the settlement, the agreed settlement, and then there is also, you know, the the investigation for part of this that that continues. So, Any,
0: anybody who's read the Georgia indictments, there's a lot of Wisconsin mixed in here. Mm-hmm. And as that case goes to trial, I think Attorney General Josh Call from Wisconsin will be carefully paying attention to those grant transcripts or the actual testimony, and saying, you know what. This went too far in Wisconsin. I understand the politics of this. This to me is egregious. Should not have happened and sets a horrific example for election integrity going forward. It cannot happen again. That's why civil is one thing. Criminal has to happen. That that's stage two of this.
1: Completely agree with you on that. It Has to happen. Uh, Josh Call has to take action at some point on these fake electors because I think, like you mentioned, so much of this ties back to Wisconsin. You know, the the, the lawyer on the call with Donald Trump in Georgia was uh, Cleta Mitchell, who is still sits on the board of the Bradley Foundation in Wisconsin. Uh, and so I think you know there are, there's always a Wisconsin connection to everything. <laughs> that and, is true. And, and this this is uh, no exception.
0: Our Wisconsin connection to this half hour is Dan Schaefer. He is. The writer extraordinaire of the Recombobulation Area. How can folks find it? Uh, you can find me at the Recombobulation
1: Area dot news, Recombobulation Area dot substack and you can of course find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer.
0: A good follow on Twitter, by the way, especially if you love the Bucks. All right. After the break, some news on Northridge, perhaps. Hmm. Governor got involved. Governor who will be on the show in studio next week, by the way. Still determining time and dates. A quick break here on WTMJ now.
1: Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Just kidding. This is Max, and we're back with another joke of the week. What happens to Santa if he gets stuck in a chimney? He gets claustrophobic. Back to the show.
0: Oh, grandson Max, 7-year-old, doing his comedy routine. Thank you, Max. Always funny. He loves to do that. So you gotta, you got to encourage that behavior. All right, Dan Schaefer, my guest, we've got a few minutes left. Um, the Northridge store is interesting. Governor Evers announced last week, I think it was Friday, uh, $15 million grant from the ARPA funds to assist Milwaukee to redevelop, the was the words they used, Northridge Mall redevelop or take down is, it, is it the same thing what, what do you think
1: well i think it's going to have to be taken down in order to be redeveloped <laughs> true so i think
0: well that, not necessarily but yeah. i think that's probably where we're going
1: it seems like the goal is to you know there, there's obviously some lawsuits that, that have to be uh finalized and cleared up or, or whatever might happen but i think this is a pretty significant uh decision by the governor to allocate 15 million dollars to help uh tear down the mall uh for one and you know uh, do do some of the work for em- environmental remediation. You know, uh, fix up some of the utilities and, and get it ready to actually. Uh, develop and, and make something different on that side of town, which uh, for so long has just been in limbo about what exactly is going to happen there. So I think this you know obviously the all caveats apply with all the legal battles that are already happening there. but I think this gets it closer to getting something done than there ever has been, which I think is I think is encouraging and I think the city is really excited about this and I think uh, I think it's great that the governor stepped in to to help in these efforts.
0: On that on that note, so somebody asked or sent me a text last week about this. So we have a, a massive budget surplus in Wisconsin. We've been arguing about this back and forth, Republicans and Democrats in leadership, uh, about what to do with it. Somebody asked me, and I guess I didn't think about this, could the governor, without the legislature, just parcel out funds from that surplus to whatever projects he thinks they should go to? Is there some power that he has? I don't think that's the case. But ARPA funds is another way of doing it, obviously, and he's utilized that on several occasions. Yeah, I think
1: you, you know the legislature still power the purse in Wisconsin. So yeah, I but think that it is, is interesting. But though. I think the way that I think the way that the governor has allocated these ARPA funds has been pretty interesting. Like trying to get some sort of dedicated funding in the state budget, and then when the Republicans say no to it. Go go to the ARPA funds that need to get spent on the state as well for for state and local government. Uh, so I think that is, I think it's been a pretty interesting approach.
0: You ever you think we will see in some form or another, depending whether the legislature can agree with the governor at some point on the what happens to the surplus? Does it come back to taxpayers? Is it just spent on different things with the agreement of both sides?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's one of those situations where you know they kick the can down the road. Uh, to the next budget cycle, I guess, because it just seems like they can't seem to come together, uh, whether it's on taxes, whether it's on child care, whether it's on university system funding, uh, that they're a little bit further apart than perhaps a lot of us would like them to be.
0: I think where they're going to lose people, if that if that surplus expands to 10 billion dollars or something like that, what is it, seven now? That That's a big number. And a lot of us who pay taxes might be saying at some point, I don't care what the leadership is. This is insane. You're taking too much of our money. And if you're not going to spend it on projects that are beneficial to all communities, what are we doing here? Why do we, why are you serving our interests? Or better better asked, why are you not serving our interests?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's too bad that uh, the Republicans in the budget process held so many of these projects hostage. And I think it's, um, you know, whether it's the governor has proposed tax cuts, that Republicans have proposed tax cuts, they can't seem to... Uh, can't seem to get in the middle on this, you know, um, but I but I really think I think that was in many ways a big story from the state budget that uh, Republicans couldn't put a budget forward that would that the governor would sign and, and had no Democratic support really at all. You know, at some point you have to uh, Republicans in the legislature, whether they find this out on new maps next year or not, they're going to have to move to the middle eventually at some point.
0: Yeah, good. Good point. All right. So a uh, quick Packers prediction. They're playing the Giants in New, is it New Jersey? Yeah, they play in New Jersey tonight. Uh, I
1: I like the Packers' chances in this one. I'm I'm a huge Jinx, so I don't want to make a definitive prediction prediction. But I like their chances. You know, they lost that game in London last yes. year that they, they should have they, won. They blew that game in yes. London last mm-hmm. year. And even though Aaron Rodgers might be gone, I think there's a lot of players on that team who probably remember that game in London and want, want to get a little revenge on the New York Giants. Today.
0: I'm cautiously optimistic. Vince, Eric, and I will be hosting Packers pregame at 4 p.m. today, so tune in for that. Dan Schaefer, will will do it again next week.
1: Thanks so much for having me.